Welcome to the Yellow Pill Podcast. My name is Wale. And my name is Toby. Each week, we take on familiar dilemmas and wicked problems that we all face. On the Yellow Pill, you can expect intimate conversations and provocative questions that can change the way you experience the world. So, shall we begin? Hey, hey, welcome to the seventh episode of the seventh season of the Yellow Pill Podcast. We're almost there, people, almost there. And it's been, as always, an amazing ride. On this episode, we have a very old guest on, uh, Mish from season two, if you remember. Um, And this time we talked about forgiveness. Um, Now, this was a very long episode, but also a very intense episode. And so if you feel the need at any point to take a breather and just come back to the episode, I think that's totally perfectly fine to do. Um, We talked about, obviously, our experiences with forgiveness and just walking through some of the hurts that we've dealt with and how we've processed them but also how forgiveness plays a part in how we view society today and you know what council culture means when you combine it with something like forgiveness it's a very that's a very interesting episode and i hope you do take something away from it um as always catch you at the end of it and don't forget to follow us on facebook actually no (laughs) on instagram and on twitter um and just share the love and make sure you share the episode with a friend you think might enjoy this too anyways see you at the end bye okay um michelle welcome back um it's weird that i'm seeing you here before i'm seeing you in real life yeah but as i said to you once this thing is done regular chills amen (laughs) i'll hold you to that (laughs) promise 100 percent it's good to be back Yo, yo, get a new wallet once the shit is done. <laughs> but, you know, as we were just saying, welcome back on the podcast. Um, we just spoke about how last time you were here was two years, almost two years mm. ago. August and you're just starting out. And mm. no, I, I, I had gone, I was like no, halfway. You had been only, you'd only started like a few months, I think. Barely a few months. What? <laughs> what, 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 what are you <laughs> in? I began my PhD like 2018. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. No, you didn't. No, rubbish. Yeah, because we left. We left uni. What? Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Yeah, so I began next year. Yeah. So you started the podcast then, didn't you? Oh, you so mean what? yeah? The, oh, you mean the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Not my yeah, PhD. Po- yeah. What are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, it's so much in my head now that I can't even. <laughs> you thought you were talking about the. I'm the... sorry. <laughs> I, I, I thought you meant the PhD. No, 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 no. Oh no! You think I don't know what your PhD is? What kind of a friend do you think I am? I, now I was like, <laughs> no, Mish, Mish definitely knows, but like, am I thinking wrongly? I'm, I'm sorry. I, it's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll bring my A game right now to this, to this, to this chat. Um. So yeah, you're right. We had just begun the podcast at that point. It was a few months in. Absolutely, you're absolutely spot on. Um, started in April. That was August. And we spoke about then was body positivity. Which was actually, I think, a number of people's um, favorite episode of that season, actually, if I remember. That was nice, um, yeah. I think... Yeah, cause I remember we, we got some comments about the conversation mm. and about the expressiveness, expression. I don't know what, what the noun is, but how we express ourselves in the, co- in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, yeah, let me bring Mitch back on for, the, for this season. Um, and obviously... I was not sure what to, because I had two topics in mind, but I thought this might be a better one to have you in because, um, because it's expansive. When something is very expansive, a topic is very broad and vague. It's best to have um, somebody who can articulate experiences as astute as possible. And I think given the last episode we did together, that was definitely something that you brought to that. So I thought, yeah, why not? And of course, like 
again, it's something that we can also talk about together after episode is done as well. So you can transfer the conversation into the real world. Well, this is the real world, but yes. the other the, the other real world, not not the current metaverse we're on right now. And today we're talking about forgiveness. And um, we, we put it on our list for, not particularly for any reason, but we just thought, why the hell not? <laughs> you know, because, because like, relating to everybody, like to people that you, you have a relationship with, whether it's a stranger, family, or mm-hmm. friends, you know, it's inevitable that you'll be exposed to the risk of being offended or harmed by people, right? Whether you asked for it or whether you did not ask for it, whether you were aware, whether you were unaware, right? And throughout history, throughout cultures, throughout time, whatever, you know, people have developed different strategies, ways to respond to offenses, to trans- transgressions, as the deep people will call it. And the most classic responses we know about, or we can see, or we've seen, or we've felt, experienced, are maybe avoiding something or, or seeking revenge, right? So you either put yourself away from the person or you look for ways to harm them back, right? And these responses are quite common and normal. You know, for example, revenge fits the reciprocity norm that has existed for time. You know, and avoidance, you know, is something that just sticks to people's personalities as well. Um, but they can have negative consequences for people, right? Either for yourself, for the relationship, and society at large. You know, we're, we're seeing that in, in the world right now. And that's when people have then argued and brought about people in different lenses. So in the academic world, in the religious world, social world, whatever. You've said, hang on, like, let's advocate for a concept of forgiveness, you know, where we can do without those two ways of reacting to transgressions. We can let things go, right? We can explore the idea of forgiving people of what they do to us, the harms and the offenses. So, so how would you guys define forgiveness? And I think I like to ask people, you guys definitions because even though we can easily Google it up on in the internet, I think, I think how we define things sometimes reflects our experiences. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that was a good way for me to, you know, understand where we're coming from, from the get go, you know? So Toby, how do you define forgiveness? Um, I'd say it's like um, sort of like a restoration or so you, it, it involves someone being offended, the party being offended, and then the offending party sometimes I think needs to seek um, a redress, like seek a way to restore whatever has been broken or at least be remorseful or at least show repentance for what has been done. And then the person who it's been done to then decides to you know, move on from that. Acknowledging that, yes, I was hurt, but I also acknowledge the fact that this person has apologized for it. And so I forgive you. I, you know, start to build, I continue the con- the connection with you pretty much in that sense. Mm. So, so you see, that is, that is interesting because in your own definition, you're acknowledging um, a role to play for both parties. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. In there. So that's yeah. interesting. Mish? Yeah. I think first of all, Wally, forgiveness is really broad. Yeah, it's a very, mm-hmm. it's very, very uh, heavy and it's very broad and it's very intricate and intricate in the sense mm-hmm. that it, it ties in with a lot of subsequent emotions and a lot of mm-hmm. emotions that lead up to the point of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an easy definition by any means because everyone interprets forgiveness in their own way and experiences forgiveness in their own way. 
Um, but the best sort of interpretation that I've come across when it comes to forgiveness, it is sort of giving. So when you spoke about earlier, you said that forgiveness, or rather you said that when someone wrongs you, the, the immediate response is to either take revenge or it's either to um, avoid. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think that the definition of forgiveness in that regard is giving up the right to seek that revenge mm. and giving up the rights to experience that avoidance. And by, by doing that, then um, opening up a door where there is a possibility for a new beginning, whether mm. that's with somebody or, you know, what, what Toby said, having that connection back with somebody or restarting that connection, or whether it's taking them out of your life, but not letting that event define. harm you in yeah. any way. Yeah. Define, yeah, define your mm. suffering in that sense. Mm. Um, and I think that that is that is what forgiveness is. And there's a lot of things that lead to that. It's not as simple as just that definition. It, mm. it isn't. It is much more than just that definition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do we think it's um do we think it's it's an emotion or a decision or both? And and do we think the the answer you give does that depend on the timeline in which either occurs? I I think like like Misha said, even when she was describing and trying to define it, it it's it's a very it's it's a packed sort of like thing that you can't really just isolate it into like different parts. So I guess your question also accounts for that by saying, is it both or which, does which one occur first? Um, so I've forgotten the two words you use. Just remind me again the two things. Emotion and decision. Emotion and decision. I think it involves both, right? Because before there's a decision, you've probably experienced a lot of emotion, right? And even after the decision, there's maybe more kinds of emotion to follow. But forgiveness, forgiveness technically always has to do with someone's or one party's feelings or sense of being being hurt. And that has a lot to do with emotion. So I think um, to get to that point where you're like, okay, I don't know, I, I no longer hold this thing against you. I think there's definitely going to be emotion involved. But you saying I will no longer hold this against you is also like a decision. So I, I kind of I think it's both, which is like a safe answer at this point. Mm. Would you guys class yourself as people who find it easy, easy or easy to forgive or hard to forgive or it depends on the, um, <laughs> it depends on the offense that's happened? And apologies for me asking questions that mm. seem, seem like I'm asking questions that are binary, um, but yeah. I, recognize, I recognize that there's a very, very great area involved. But I guess the binary, Can binaryism I- is a good starting point to point out where I'm going. I just talk about the emotion and decision point um, yeah, of course. really quickly that you asked earlier. So I agree with Toby again in that sense, um, you know, that it's both, both of them are required. They're both very, very important. I think the timing is really important as well between both of them. And I also think both of them um, lead to different sort of aspects of forgiveness. So the first one, which is the emotion itself, um, that is important in the sense that if you're head is telling you Mm. that I need to forgive somebody and I need to forgive this act or even I need to forgive myself, but you're not actually ready in your heart Mm. to forgive. And you're not, you're, you're basically telling yourself that I'm supposed to, I should forgive this person. I should forgive that person. I should forgive this act, but that Mm. should 
is not um, something that is making you within your heart forgive that that act itself. Mm. So if you're not ready within yourself, within your own heart, in the sense that you can accept that it had happened, it it is a, a point where you need to let go. You can accept the suffering and live with or, or grow with that suffering. Then at that point, you're not ready to forgive. Mm. So that that space is really required emotionally, and that involves both the heart and the mind. Um, and even the body to some extent, because your body, uh, physical symptoms of not being able to forgive often show up as well. So your body, heart and your mind really need to be at a space where you're able to forgive. Mm. But that really ties in with the decision as well, as Wally said, and, and you, as well, you as well, Toby, because mm. it ties in with the fact that what, what is the decision? The decision is essentially setting some sort of intention, isn't mm-hmm. it? Where I am, you know, because you can come and say, oh, I want to forgive someone. I want to, you can come and tell everybody else in the world that you want to forgive someone. But whether you, if you don't have the genuine intention within yourself to forgive someone, then you won't be able to. And that intention ultimately leads to the decision of being able to forgive that person. Mm. And the timing of the two are really important. So having intention and also being in a space where your heart, mind, and your body are ready to forgive is very important to go together and the work to get to that space is important and the work after you get to that space is also important mm. Mm. so i think mm. i think what i'm hearing from you are saying is um there's two things one there there's intention and then there's ability and yes. and in some way there has to be a point where both parallels meet I mean, they can't be to their parallel, but both, <laughs> both, um, both points meet. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that is interesting because I think one of the things I'm thinking about straight away from hearing that is the intention bit, I understand. The ability bit is where I am thinking a lot more deeply about because mm-hmm. look, looking at my life now, for example, I mean, luckily, again, I've, I've, why, why are you laughing? <laughs> because, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what you're about to say, but I can sense it's very similar sense. to it, uh, what, what has, on. what has happened in the last couple of episodes, which is the fact that, well, it seems to have had a very, I, I won't call it happy-go-lucky, but, <laughs> but when it comes to, when it comes to certain kinds of emotions, well, has not had to deal with a lot. So that is what I've learned in the last three episodes. Either it's, <laughs> Either it's unrequited love. <laughs> I, I, either it's it's just so many different things. But yeah, let me let you lad. But I just wanted to throw I really wanted to throw that in there. Which is why I was laughing. Cause yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I I I absolutely agree with that. And yeah. I cannot attribute anything I said in the podcast, I can't attribute anything to anything I possess. I think it's just pure mm. luck. Mm. But of course, in life I've had to have some forgiving um experiences. Mm. Um, def- definitely 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 mm. um but going back to my point i was talking about how you said it's an, ab- um, it's an ability as well and i think in my experience of forgiving right mm. as i think about the times I've, I've had to forgive somebody i've never I've, I've obviously always had intention because i've always said yeah i think i should forgive this person right but but i've never actually thought about it in the sense of Am I able to do it? Hmm. And that could be because 
there's a relation there's a relationship between the ability and the degree of transgression and possibly my maybe everybody has a certain ability level or it differs but let, let's let's call it my forgiveness muscle right has not faced a a a weight in the transgression gym that that is that is so heavy that I can't lift mm. so maybe that's why you know I, I found it interesting to really unpack like the ability to forgive and because not my experience of forgiveness I've always thought yeah this this is messed up to be honest but um fair enough I would I'll figure out a way to sort this out so I guess that's a good way to mm-hmm. ask like you guys like I've ever struggled with, with forgiveness and like uh, what 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 kind of transgressions can you like point out and were there like degrees of difficulty across types of transgression slash forgiveness episodes? Hmm. Um, <laughs> interesting one. Um, I da, 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 da. as I'm thinking about it now, or while you were talking, I was just think of okay, what are the big what are the big things in my life that have been external, like someone else has done, and all of those things. Um, and not too many. So to be fair, like like you, I honestly don't think like I won't come out and say it's very easy to forgive because I don't think I've had to deal with a lot of like those kinds of issues. And that could be a, because of a bunch of different things. Either um, because you know I said this thing on I don't know what episode I said this. It was probably the episode with Mesh as well about um, or maybe it wasn't. But just this this idea of being offended and offense, right? So like offense will always come, but offended is kind of like a decision, right? And so for people who don't get offended easily, you don't give yourself a lot to forgive in that sense. But obviously on the transgression gym, like you said, on that meter, not being offended is like, the, the things that you're not being offended by are usually like trivial things, which is why people say you shouldn't, you should let those things go. But I'm thinking of like, sorry, yeah, you want to come in? Yeah, but in that, in the, let me tell you, you're giving as a response, which I definitely yeah. agree, I understand. I think it's, it feeds more towards relationships with people who whose whose importance in your life is not as deep not so much i i see where you're coming from i see where you're coming from but not so much right because i can think of instances where either my mom or someone really close to me has done something that i find like offensive but i always it almost feels like in that case is it it might be easier to forgive them because especially when you don't believe the intent was really to hurt you right so I think maybe the thing is when something happens that you feel like there was a lot of intent behind it, I don't think I've had to deal with, I've only had to do with one. And even that one, one could argue that the intent wasn't to hurt me, but I was just like a byproduct of their actions and the hurting me was a byproduct of the actions that they took. So in that regard, honestly, like, I don't know. So maybe Mish has more like vivid examples. I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm very jealous of both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. No, I... don't be jealous yet because <laughs> because because my next point was was going to relate to um, being venge- vengeful. Hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, as a vengeful human being, even though you may not have experienced a lot of um, transgressions. You, you fear that yeah. you might have dished it out, but also you fear that if it comes, how do you manage that vengeful part of yourself if you've not been able to practice a way to curtail it? Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's what we can go on to the next one. But yeah, you were going to, what were you going to say, Mesh? Sorry. 
No, I was just, it's a very interesting question. Uh, and to be honest, I was more, I was more fascinated by your responses than, than my answer. Because, um, because no. <laughs> I think it's because I, I have this presumption that everyone's, everyone struggles with this. And, mm. you know, it just feels like it's, you know, whoa, that's not the case, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it might just be me. <laughs> Funny enough, it's so culture again, but another thing to point out here is this also makes your point in the sense of why forgiveness is so um, intricate because the idea of what we struggle with may also depend on so many things. Yes, definitely. definitely. You know, so mm. something being repetitive for somebody may be like, okay, no, let me just pause it. Let me let you continue. Sorry. No, it's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I think, so, so going back to your question, um, Wally, about uh, what sort of experiences I've had with forgiveness. I think I've had a, a very difficult journey with forgiveness because, um, you know, my, my childhood was not easy um, mm. with, my, with my dad and my mother. And um, I have learned a lot, actually, in the last few months. And so my journey of forgiveness has only actually really begun in, in the last two months, maybe, I would say, or maybe even the last month perhaps, because up until that point, I was in a very internal uh, and very deep sense of denial that I I did not want to be in a space of where I might actually be happy enough. Uh, And it tied in, it tied into this whole forgiveness. And it goes back to this, this thing called a pain body, you know, and um, this thing called this concept called a pain body. And a pain body is, is what is an, what is known as an accumulation of all the painful life experiences that you might have. And that is basically a, an energy form of your emotional pain. And that is your pain body. And that's what it's called, I think, in yeah. the, the official term of it. And I have a very heavy pain body. And I, and I have done so for the past many, many years. My dad was an alcoholic and he was very abusive when I was a child. Um, And he, maybe not of his own intention, but he was because of being drunk. And that hurt me and my mother quite a lot. And um, he he cheated on my mother as well with a lot of women and got married to somebody whilst all in the process of having my baby brother at the time, whilst being getting married off to somebody else, which was very selfish of him, you know, at the time I thought as well. And so there was a lot of things that I, I hated about my dad. And I hate, even now I hate about my dad. Uh, I hate the things he's done. I hate how he made me feel. I had to deal with him hurting my mother and me in the way that he did, but also the fact that he brought a little child into this world that I now have to look out for. And also the, the fact that I have to deal with my own emotions with him as his daughter you know, being abandoned time and again when he left the country and came back, feeling very apprehensive because on one hand, I did not want him to come back home because I was scared and I, I was not happy. But on the other hand, I wanted my father, I wanted my daddy back, mm. you know, because I was a little girl and I wanted that sense of protection and I wasn't given that. So even though we had enough money or we were stable growing up, I had a lot of distress in the house. And so that led and, and that led to a lot of feeling of, of resentment and a lot of detachment from reality, in a sense, because that became my reality, dealing with 
constant trauma and constant uh, pain from my mother and dealing with constant rejection and constant unfulfilled responsibilities from my father, I was constantly in that state of pain body. And I was not living my real life. And in that process, I didn't define who I was. And I realize now as well that it was not just my father who I am resentful against and I have not forgiven. But in the most recent months, the last two years, actually, since my father came back, because at one point he put my mother into jail and he had that whole saga and he took a debt out of over 300 grand um, on my mother's name, forged it, actually. So my mom had to pay it back. And it was there was a lot to deal with. And in that process, I went to university. I met Polly there, obviously, in in my master's. And in university, I had had been raped as well. Uh, by somebody who I knew who, who was hmm. in, in the same department in the IT department actually it was, it was a student it was a master's student someone we all may have known actually but I, I I was struggling to deal with that and my grandmother died and and all this stuff was happening and it was just so much going on you hmm. know and then I managed to settle down after a really bad breakup with the help of Wally getting over, <laughs> getting over him if you remember <laughs> went to Wally's house at 3am in the morning just crying my eyes out Wally gave me a shot of tequila and put me to bed (laughs) did I? I don't think I did that (laughs) whiskey or tequila I can't remember probably whiskey Well, and, um, can you just can you just also add caveat that that was after a long conversation? I didn't just give <laughs> a long, 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 long conversation. He didn't just, just he didn't just give me a shot when I entered the door. <laughs> but through through yeah. through Wally's help, that that I got over that, and um, I started building my life back together. And so when my dad came back into my life two years ago, it was terrible. And for the last two years, it has been terrible because that acted as a trigger. You know, it was almost like I was in this unconscious space where I was just living life and and not dealing with any of the things that had happened to me in the past. And it was only when I got into a relationship with a man that I started realizing all the stuff, all the effects of my parents on me. And I got into a relationship with with my current boyfriend and um, all this stuff came out this this <laughs> this 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 insecurity and 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 this paranoia and the fear and the anxiety and and the worry and the anger and the resentment and i couldn't direct it at anybody so he became my my punching bag essentially and he mm. had to deal with a lot he had to deal with the repercussions of me not dealing with emotions with me not dealing with my past and i over the last 2 years started off feeling the insecurities and, and the feelings, but it ultimately led, led to one emotion, one very, very strong emotion, which was anger. Hmm. And I was just angry. Actually, I called Wally up and I told him I was angry and he couldn't believe that I was angry. Yeah, I, when, you, when you told me that, I think that was last year, November, yeah. December. Yeah. I couldn't I, believe that. I was like, well, what do you mean by you're angry? And, and, I mean, because I know you and I'm, I, I can't imagine you like in, in in what you described to me it was yeah it was it was just a lot of pain and, and a lot of anger in me and I took it out on my partner I took it out on my mother my brother everyone my work people at work I distanced myself you know yeah. and even now I'm struggling with work you know but I'm, I've distanced myself and I had to deal so much with this anger because I was 
I hated that a fact that I was taking it out on people and I hated hurting people. So I felt the pain of hurting people as well. And in that process, I ended up self-harming because I ended up thinking, well, I don't want to hurt all these people. I don't want to hurt my friends and my mother and my partner. I love them. Mm. I want them to feel safe with me. But they didn't feel safe with me. And I didn't feel safe with myself. And I felt like, no, I need, I deserve to be punished for this. And so I, I punched myself and I hit myself again and again and again till I felt better. And I didn't feel better. I felt better for five minutes. And then after that, I felt immense shame and guilt, you know, that overtook me. And it was only after I started realizing that I cannot go on like this. I cannot do this any longer i'm so much pain mm. you know mm. and it is it is agonizing and then i started i, I went to this this uh sheffield uh, minds which is a organization here i got mm. somebody to help me with counseling every mm. week i went to a place called survivors of depression and transition which is a organization for women and i spoke to them i started going to healing circles every day, something that I would have ridiculed a year ago because I thought, well, I can't do that. That's a bit lame, isn't it? Who wants to go and talk about their feelings in a circle full of strangers, you know, mm. and be all mushy? Mm. If anything, I was feeling very masculine about the whole thing. I was taking a very masculine approach that, no, I can't do that. I have to be guarded. I have to, I have to push forward. I have to push through this. Mm. And I pushed back a lot of my femininity and I pushed back the, the softness of, of, of being with myself, just the, just, just taking myself with that care. Mm. And so I put myself into the healing circle. I joined this anger management course, which I'm currently in week five of 11 of. And I joined this anger management course and I started doing hypnotherapy and I could hypnotherapy and I tried everything and I was desperate not to feel this way, mm. you know, and I went to my doctor and she put me on antidepressants. And so I started those, but they reacted really badly to me. And so I stopped that. And then one day, and I, and Wally knows this as well, because he told them about this. But one day I, in December, my partner went to Scotland and I uh, did a trip on mushrooms for seven and a half hours. And I prepared myself. Yeah, and I said, I just, yeah. I just cannot be in this state. And I prepared the setting, the room, the candles, everything I could. And, and I did a lot of work. I did a whole week of meditation to try and prep myself, even though really speaking, I wasn't being in meditation. I was just really anxious and I was trying to mm. calm down. And I did the trip and listened to John Hopkins' playlist, the Silas Ivan playlist. <laughs> and in that period of time, I, I broke. I essentially broke because I realized I don't have all this hatred towards my father anymore. I did mm. a lot. But I just, I feel so sad about how my life has turned out. And mm. I feel so sad about who I am as a person, as a result of his actions, mm. you know? And then I realized that actually I have a lot of resentfulness towards my mother. And that was a big twist of things because my mother is the one who's being the victim. The She's victim the one who has... She was the one who was abused. She was the one who has been alone. She was the one who had to deal with just me being around and not having any family support, not being able to go back mm. to her parents because her parents said, no, stay with him, forgive him, because mm. she was raised in a Christian way mm. as well. There's a whole religious aspect as well to it, you know, of forgiveness. And I 
I struggled with my mom being that because I then realized that, well, it's a generational thing because my mother did not, was not taught how to set boundaries with people. She was not taught how to be in a healthy relationship. She was not taught to leave when she needed to leave. And she was not given that support. And she may have had issues of her own. And so I had a lot of resentment towards, and I still do right now. And I'm still working through that, you know, but the the whole start of it is recognizing these things and actually going into yourself. And forgiveness can only come through that. Forgiveness can only come through a state of being conscious about yourself. And um, being in a state of unconsciousness, which which most of us end up being through our whole lives because we go through life living with social media and, and media outlets and, uh, you know, stereotypes and uh, mustations. And mm. it can be quite, quite overwhelming. And that's why so many people are suffering from mental health because they are living in this constant state of un- unconsciousness. Mm. Even the anger that comes to us is unconscious. Mm. And so it is only recently that I'm practicing consciousness but that is the one method i found that is the only method i found that is actually helping me with this whole aspect of forgiveness and being able to forgive my parents and to forgive myself because i have hurt myself and i have hurt other people and i know i have is a big big task because it involves a lot of self-reflection and a lot of self-criticism which is a very fine point you have to balance between criticizing yourself and hating yourself. Hmm. And so it is very complicated and it's very complex, but it is not something that anyone should be afraid of because it can be hard, but I would rather not be angry hmm. than, than be angry because hmm. yeah, the emotions are the, the effects of you not being able to forgive someone, it first comes to other people and really comes to you and you really feel the effects. You know, like... Sorry, sorry for my heavy answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely no, no need. That's... No such thing. Um, you know, yeah. what struck me the most from that, I mean, some of you, I was already, some of, most of you I'm familiar with, um, a few things were new to me hearing that. But what struck me the most interesting about that is, you know, from what you began by saying, um, you know, your your days as a as a as a kid, your dad and mom, up until today, there were a range of there was, part of my grandma, a range of um emotions, and feelings that you experienced, all negative, but there was a range, and. Mm-hmm. What was interesting there was starting from the feeling of rejection to being hurt to modern day anger to self harm and infliction. You can see that even though there was a passage of button from each one to the next based on different experiences, at some point the source of everything kind of also became lost. Mm. Because because you mentioned that you realized at some point that you're not even sure who you hated. Because yeah. at some point you moved into, you always probably thought, oh yeah, it was my father. But maybe at some point you thought, 
actually at this point I'm in right now, maybe that's not it. Maybe there's more. And I think what that's interesting for me is that when anybody experiences anything, there is so many the calculations that happen in your in this brain of, of ours is such a it's an it's an on you it's 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 an on unsolvable arithmetic that by by the time you get to emotion C or experience B, not B, D from A, the reason why you, you were there in the first place, you, you, it's probably gone. And then then basic question of at what point you didn't realize that forgiveness is needed and to whom, given that at these different episodes of your life, you've, you've had negative feelings with other people. Right, and each person's mm. negative feelings could have come from the one before, or could could be one that so so surpasses the previous one. But then you think, well, where do I start my forgiveness journey? From myself. Mm. I mean, if it's for myself, then to what extent do I have to work to, work to forgive myself? Because how much can I blame myself for this? So, like, my point there is like there mm. is just a lot of things to consider when when things happen to us for like a long period of time and that's why we say it's always easy for somebody who's never experienced something to to write somebody off or to or to not understand them because you make such simplistic simplistic um recommendations which which you probably do in good faith but they're coming from different episodes of like Lego, leg like imagine like a Lego, like a Lego um structure. Mm-hmm. You're only just seeing the top layer of the Lego, but there's different things that have shaped that that top layer. And then you're like, well, why don't you understand that this is this is the way it is? And I'm thinking, well, you don't know what the history of that Lego piece you're seeing at at this point, you know. So I mean, yeah. that 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 was very powerful, and I think. You mentioned at the start that um, that that you're jealous of me and Toby because um, you, we haven't experienced. I can't remember what you use, but I mean, hearing that now, I get it. And 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 I think if I think of my own experiences of forgiveness, um, again, which is why is the word luck? Um, I went through the normal phases mm-hmm. of normal phases of you not liking your dad because it's is acting in a certain way. But I know everybody's experience is valid, but sometimes it's good to put yourself in context. And mm. and and doing that now, doing that now, you can understand that actually maybe I was being a little brat a, a, a bit. Or maybe even if, if even if I was wrongly wrongly offended by your own parents, well, maybe that's just discipline you need because you have a personality that in your innocence of today can transform into a terrible diabolical human being of tomorrow. And maybe this is what you need to curtail that. Right. So Toby mm-hmm. is here right now, you know, mm-hmm. Toby lost that a long time ago. You, you are here right now. Mm-hmm. You, you, you had issues with your dad and your dad was not present for, for a long time. And then different experiences, different realizations of your current life. And then if someone looks back and I think, well, yeah, I have a moral claim to say, you know, I was also offended, but 
putting put, put, put things in context, you realize that actually that fosters the spirit to even give ability to forgive because when you see what others have been through, mm. you realize that actually maybe, maybe my forgiving ability or intention should come into the fray now. Mm. That's an interesting mm. way to look at things because yeah. you're looking at it from a very, uh, uh, say extra, let's say ex- ex- external sort of way, I would say. Mm. So you're saying that, for example, if I, if something bad happens, and you go through that journey of something bad happens and you by suffering and looking at other people's suffering lead to a point where you can forgive. Mm. Yes. Mm. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. In a way, because yeah. I'm saying like sometimes forgiveness can be spurred on by an awareness of what the other person yeah, is going through. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a tricky balance or tricky point to make because there's always camps that argue mm. that everyone's experience is valid regardless of how, um, soft it is or whatever. But I mean, Toby, you're right there. Like, have you have you have you struggled to forgive at any point in your life? Um, no. So, so to be honest, like listening to Misha's story, um, like, yeah, it's it it, it was definitely like it. Th- it made me think about a lot of things, and like you said, you think about the kind of things you faced as well, and realize that okay, maybe some things that I was holding a bit too tightly. Like, again, not to argue. So the points you made about everybody's experiences being valid, like nobody, I, I, I hate that we get to a place where when people share their stories, you we know, you feel that. like, we have to say that, you understand that everybody's experience is valid. Because again, like for the person themselves, you know, it, it was a real enough experience for them. And yes, it's good to sort of like balance that in front of what everybody's facing and know how to rationally deal with things in that sense. But anyways, just an aside. But it then made me think that, you know, there's definitely a lot, a lot of things could have gone like a lot worse in that sense. And to be fair, like even with, with Misha's story as well, I'm sure maybe there's someone else listening that is like, oh, Misha even have it, had this quote unquote easy. And I say that with every sense of like, you know, air quotes as much as possible, right? Um, but but to answer your question directly, I don't think um I've had any dealings as as, as intense and deep as that. Um, and I think particularly when it comes from okay, so have, from have you had any that and, that's been shallow and not intense? For sure, for sure, for sure. Your your typical um breakup situation and all of those things, right? Um, particularly when it's not a even that one is it's a very weird example to use, but if it if it involves sort of like unfaithfulness and things like that, you know, that's something you have to deal with and try to forgive if you still want the relationship to continue. But even if the relationship ends, do you still resent that person for I guess what they put you through is another thing that you have to deal with, which I did have to deal with um in that sense. And sometimes I think this is an interesting point that we might get to is dealing with forgiveness in isolation. Because sometimes the person that has offended you will come and be remorseful and all of those things. And it, it might feel easier to forgive when you sense genuine repentance. But what happens when that repentance isn't there? Um, you know, do you still hold on to, to that sort of like action and resentment? Like it might be the person is not physically near close to you or you don't have a relationship anymore. Or maybe the person dies. Like, you know, let's think about that. Some people, they're offenders that have put them in very tricky situations are no more. But how does forgiveness still happen in that sense? Which is why I think forgiveness is almost a, a two-sided thing. Amish, sure you're going to say something? Well, actually, I was going to think about your point on dying because that was, that was really interesting because I know, because even a baby, for example, yeah, even a mm. little child whose mother has died, that mm. child will still experience a sense of abandonment. You mm. know, 
and mm. then I will grow up to maybe experience that abandonment in their relationship. So to some extent, even though the mother has died through no fault of her own, mm. there's still some element of forgiveness that comes there to both exactly. the child and herself. Yeah. And going back to what Wally was saying as well earlier about this external sort of impact on people, I think that one thing to also recognize is because I know I'm coming back to this whole consciousness thing, but I think it goes back to being aware that when you when you forgive someone at the point of forgiving, at that point, you might realize that the other person who's hurt you or wronged you has done everything through their own set of perceptions and experiences, you know? So that's that's something that's been sort of, uh, and also bringing in the moral claim of what Wally said as well, I'm going to tie into that, but when it comes to my dad, for example, and my mom, forgiving my mother is easier for me, even though I, I've, I'm still feeling from it, like I'm still trying to get over it right now. Mm. You know, I feel like eventually being able to forgive my mother would be easier mm. because I know that she didn't do it out of any bad intention. She raised me as the best she, best could, she being, could, thinking that she's trying to be the best mother she could. Mm. Forgiving my father is a little bit more difficult for me <laughs> because in my perception, I'm like, well, he's had experiences and his own perceptions and his own traumas or whatever from his childhood. But he has a little baby at home and he's going out with someone and that's hurting his little baby. So how is he not thinking of that? Mm-hmm. You know, so for him to try and think of my dad as someone who unconsciously did this is very hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and then what do you do? Mm-hmm. And then how, how do you proceed from there? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think this really throws a spanner in the um, you should only forgive people that are willing to work for the forgiveness. Like this throws a spanner in it because it then, it then means if it, it then gives the person, like I don't want to sound like, you know, too loopy here, but it, you then leave a lot of the power with your healing with that person who never really has thought of Absolutely. you has not thought of you with the best intentions, either consciously or subconsciously. Um, Wale, yeah? So I guess the question then is, who is forgiveness for? And I think this one is a conscious binary question. You or, you're the, mm. or the other person. It can't, I don't think it can be both. <laughs> I think it can be both. <laughs> it could be like it, Okay, it, I don't yeah. think it's, it can be. You're right, good point. I don't yeah. think it should be both. Um, Why should it not be both? Yeah, maybe that's that's the question, question we should ask you, Wally. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> nice. on the spot. Um, yeah, I think given that forgiveness has been tied to well-being, given that forgiveness has been tied to emotional, psychological, cognitive states, right? It is a practice and a decision and an emotion and process that on the first order of, of outcomes or reactions impacts you, mm. right? Because yeah. when, you're, when you face a transgression, it always comes to you first. The person might have their own feelings of guilt, remorse possibly, or, they, or whatever feeling they have, if they have any. But you as the person who'd be offended, you feel the bulk of reaction to that offense. And forgiveness is what helps you with that. Mm. Right. Now, the other person comes into the play where if maybe you're forgiving them, 
makes them elevate their guilt, their remorse, yeah. or helps them or helps them with the relationship again. Right? Mm. But that cannot happen if you've not moved on from the state into forgiveness. Because if you think you've forgiven them mm. and you haven't, but they think so. Yeah. Once they've gotten rid of their guilt, remorse, or they've gotten the relationship back with you, you're no more the same person that you were with them. Mm. And that means that you are still then facing your own internal issues because forgiveness has not really happened. And that shows to me that forgiveness is for you. If they benefit from it, it's a subset of what you've done for yourself. I'm a little confused on something that you said. I just want want to ask you a little bit. So you're saying that if you had somebody and you forgave them, then it, and they come back into your life. If somebody hurts you and I forgive them, yep. And and if they come back into your life, you're saying that things can never really be the same. Is that what you're saying? Oh no. So based on my argument that forgiveness is for the, is for the forgiving, is for the forgiver, forgiver, forgiver. Yeah. 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 So, so my argument began by saying that forgiveness is yeah. for the forgiver, not yeah. for okay. the forgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Apologies for that, for that, for that. Right, and and to explain that, I'm saying that if I forgive somebody, right, two things happen. If it's real forgiveness, I move myself away from the negative emotions that the transgression has brought mm-hmm. me. Right. If it's if it's if it's fake forgiveness, well, I temporarily move away. I think. But there's still going to be some actions, reactions in my conscious and subconscious brain. Mm. Right. Now, yeah. why, why I'm giving proof that it's for you only is that if you forgive the person, right, all they get from that, if they care, is release an elevation guilt. of guilt, remorse, release from guilt or release from remorse or them getting your trust back or them feeling like they have a trust back. Right. Mm. Now, if you've really forgiven them, you've really forgiven them, that means that your own emotions are then pure from mm-hmm. it. And, and whatever you decide from that point, whether to let them go or bring them back, is from a pure conscious state. Mm-hmm. And whatever they enjoy from that is off your decision to forgive in the first place. And it's off that true forgiveness mm-hmm. you've already experienced. Yeah. And if your forgiveness is not real, in the sense of if you think you've forgiven them but you haven't. Now, further proof of why forgiveness is on yourself only is that the forgiveness is not real. If they come back or their guilt or their remorse is gone or whatever, they've heard you say you forgive them, you still experience things from from them being in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that means that even, even though they are Okay, based on based on the idea that they that, that they think they're forgiving, mm. you're not. Because forgiveness in this quite in this aspect has not been done yeah. correctly. Mm. Or, you, or, you, or you haven't truly yeah. done it. So okay. yeah, so um I think I get your point and um I sort of agree in the sense that primarily um forgiveness is 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 a thing that the person that has been offended needs to, you know, deal with or manage, like and it has the biggest effect on you. Right. And the effect is twofold. 
the effect of you know what the situation has done to you and then obviously the effect of the other person you know that what, what they've actively done so the thing about it is that obviously if the person decides to be sorry and you do not forgive again it still lies with you and then if you decide to forgive as well the freedom also lies with you although your act of forgiving could technically release the person but if the person that you forgive doesn't forgive themselves even if you've released them they can still carry that guilt so at the end of the day i think forgiveness is two-sided and you know there's one side that is more complete than the other meaning if you release yourself from what's happened um you kind of like can move on but the other party that are sort of like yeah i don't i think i kind of like lost a bit of direction okay yeah so yeah let let me um let me give you guys a so i saw a paper by there's a guy called martin mccullough and apparently he's a top dog academic in area of forgiveness psychology (laughs) sociology whatever and 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 he gave like no, like it's just a weird. Just he give like um, I mean, yeah, it's just famous in the few. Cause like when I read papers about forgiveness, I saw his name a lot. Um, mm. and he mentioned three main reasons why people forgive, right? And he said, and this was paper I think written in two thousand one. Yeah, Michael McCullough, forgiveness. Who does it and how they do it? Anyway, he said people forgive for three reasons: empathy for the transgressor, general generous attributions and appraisals. And rumination about the transgression. Right. So I'll take that one by one. So empathy for the for transgression, just in the sense of as the literal sense, people feel empathy for the person who's offended them. Right. And they're forgiving them. So we saw this in the um what case was it of the of the American American shooting where someone shot, I think, a kid and and the kids and 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 the the kid's mom forgave the person because she said that that she could see in courts that he was lost, something like that. Anyway, she felt empathy for the person who killed her son and she forgave him, right? So that's an example of that. The other one is generous attributions and appraisals, where they said, you know, people may appraise transgressors as as more likable. And maybe if the transgressors explain their transgressions as honest, you might just, you might tend to to forgive them, if that makes sense. And then the final one is rumination about transgression. So the more you ruminate about what happened, the less you're likely to forgive. Mm. Right? But my question, my question now to, to, to him, to him and to you guys is, for, you can't feel empathy for the transgressor if you are still ruminating about, it, about the trans, transgression. Right? Are you sure? And you can't... Not really. Because... If, if something is... If something is bugging you, yeah, right. If if you have, if you are plagued with intrusive thoughts, images about the uh, about the events that happened to you, it's likely to hinder forgiveness. It depends on how you're thinking about it, because yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you you can think. I almost think that sometimes you can think about the transaction so much that you start to see beyond the act itself and see everything that might have led to it. Okay, so by by think, let me just clarify what I mean by think. So by think, I don't mean like a a state of trying to... Self-aware, self-reflection. No. But just think about the hurt itself, brooding over the hurt itself. Brooding brooding over it. That's what I mean. Okay, okay. Okay. That clarification is necessary. Brooding over it. So that's like, you're constantly thinking about it. And by by doing that, you're not able to feel the empathy for the other person. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I would disagree. I think 
Ooh, I still disagree. Interesting. I, I still, I would still disagree. It's because I feel the same way about my mother. Because mm-hmm. I just, I feel all the pain. I constant every single day for the last month. I've been feeling the effects of of that pain, of the fact that I'm not able to emotionally regulate myself, that I'm not able to control myself, and I'm attributing that to my mother not being able to do it because I reflected her. It's called something called a mother wound, and a mother. You have a father wound and a mother wound. And what the mother wound and father wound is is a reflection of their parents' uh, sense of self onto yourself. So because I feel all these feelings towards my mother, but I also feel a lot of empathy for her at the same time because I I think, well, because she had suffered so much. Hmm. So I, I think that is possible. It's a very complex feeling. I'm not taking away from that. You know, I'm not taking away from the fact that it's a very, very complicated and very maybe even a rare feeling for people to feel that way, you know, because mm. it's only in certain situations when you have a loved one who's impacted you so much or someone who you're deeply connected to. Mm. And that then affects something called your sense of identity. And I mm. think at the very core, if you've had that experience, then you can experience both, I think. Mm. Mm. But, you know, in, in that case, Mish, what exactly is, it, is, is the transgression there that you're ruminating over? I think the, or, if yeah. Okay. Because, okay, no, no, maybe, yeah, then I'm put words into your mouth. Because why I asked that was, mm-hmm. it sounded to me more like, you know, the, even though you said that you, that you feel empathy for your mom, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you, and you said that you, you're thinking about what happened. To me, it sounded like you're thinking about the, the outcomes of what happened, but not the actual transgression itself. So, I guess the reason I'm thinking about the outcomes now is because of how it's affecting me now in my relationship. Um, not because I, I'm not thinking about what happened. Um, right. I think that's why, that's why I'm more focused on now because I'm trying to heal myself. Hmm. But I have thought about the transgressions itself quite a lot because, for, for example, um, uh, da, 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 for example, my mother, every anniversary, my dad sometimes would be there, sometimes would not on her hmm. anniversary. Mm. And to make up for that, I would try and do everything I could to to make it a really special day for her, mm. you know, but she would not reciprocate in the sense that so she would not be up for doing anything. She would not take care of herself. She would not get up and do anything, mm. you know, and I felt very responsible to fill in my father's shoes because she would be, oh, well done. Thank you for doing this for me. Thank you. She'd be so grateful. And mm. I at the time felt so happy because, yay, my mom's happy because I'm making her happy. But the reality is I'm not her husband. The reality is her husband was not around and she was sad. And I was filling shoes that I could not fill. And I have been with a lot of different situations. And the act that she, she'd unknowingly, very, very unknowingly through no fault of her own. Because like I said, I empathize with the fact that she's not, she's not, she was not okay at the time. Mm. And her coming to me and needing me as that emotional support that she lacked because her husband was not around, I had to fill that in. And so I think a lot about the times when I've had to fill that in. I think about the times now when she calls me and I sometimes go back to the past and I sometimes push her away from me now as my mother because I keep thinking I don't want to be her husband. So now when she calls me and she's like, 
really needing that support now I, I don't want to give it to her even though I should be because I'm her daughter and even though I'm not giving it to her as her husband I'm giving it to her as a daughter mm. it, it makes me not want even want to give her the support as a daughter sometimes because I'm mm. too scared to fall into the role of being a husband mm. and so it's such a complex situation where even now those are triggers for me you know where I get angry and I get emotional and I know these are triggers that I have to recognize but at the same time, I am, I'm constantly having to feel that pain. And it's okay. It's just a process. It's a process of forgiveness is to feel that suffering. The whole point of forgiveness is to grow in suffering and, mm. and feel that suffering. And then to eventually be able to let go of that suffering. You know? Mm. So, so, sorry, think... so, sorry, Wally. I didn't mean to like <laughs> no, no, oppose no, 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 you no, in any no, way. No. Like, a, you know... <laughs> Opposing mission will be something that she apologized for ever, <laughs> ever, ever. That's the joy of the podcast, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think no, but and I think <laughs> it is interesting that you say that because the feels to me like there's a relationship between forgiveness and this thing called like injustice gap, mm. where like. Sometimes, if you feel like somebody has not, um, if there's a gap between the, the, the current outcome and the desired outcome of what a guilty person should face, right? There's like a level of forgiveness that, that, that drops or matches, matches that. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, like you're saying in simpler terms, if, if you don't feel like the person that has offended you has suffered or paid for their crimes paid for or it. Their, yeah. their transgression in some kind of way, it kind of like affects the intensity at which you're able to forgive. Yeah. And that's because it. Right. Yeah. That's why sometimes like when somebody does us wrong, and I think Mish mentioned this as, as well, you know, like if they are still, if life is still normal for them, if life is still rosy dovey, if life is still like nothing changed, you feel like they don't need your forgiveness or they don't deserve it. Yeah, like, they don't deserve it. Yes, but it does have consequences. It does, exactly. It does. It does. It does. It does. But it just shows how more complex this is because sometimes bad people, bad people or normal people, but people who do bad shit sometimes get away with it. I mean, Um, not always. No, hmm. they don't get away with it. But they don't get away with it in the obvious ways or in the immediate ways. But think, yeah. but the person who's been wronged, it's hard for us to see every time the repercussions of somebody's actions on their own self, someone's bad actions on their own self. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is someone does something horrible to us at any point of our lives. Even, even if they get hit by karma or, or their actions get revealed in some other place that they're in, we not we not always see that. We may just see one side of their life where it looks like they're, they're living okay. Yeah. And that can put us in a sense of what the hell? Like nah 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 nah. And then we can become a, become a lot more unforgiving. But unknown to us, that's not really the case. Let's take a break now and come back. But when I come back, I want to talk about dive straight into do we think there's a do we think there's a forgiveness personality in there? And mm. and I think this is How where so? I can well let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Alright, cool. See you guys in a bit. Mm. 
So I was talking about the unforgiving personality. And the reason why I mentioned that is because so let me try and give some some personal stuff out here and just see whether you guys would think it's it's a thing of forgiveness or it's just a thing of life. So I'm trying to look back into my my history of relationships and and friendships. And obviously I've spoken I've spoken in an episode I think it was Belisa. Belisa, I know, I know, I know I live by. I spoke about how, you know, there's a point where you know, my negative feelings towards my my dad when I was younger kind of just shifted because mm-hmm. I I took I took a mindset of, you know, he's also adulting, but he's also doing what he thinks, um, is the way to do things. But also, I know that. This is not the worst life that, that 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 can exist for someone like me. So I have some things to be grateful for. Mm. But looking at just other relationships beyond that, I think I've had relationships where that were very very important to me, romantic relationships. Um, no no no, just one or two, um, in the past that that fell through. Not because so okay okay so now everybody says oh yeah I had this breakup was mutual <laughs> I say yeah me, that's rubbish <laughs> it's never actually ever mutual it's always there's somebody might want to fix it so you you both might be willing to let things go for sure but somebody mm. willing to fix it someone is not so in that case it's as not much, mutual yeah yeah as as much right yeah so anyway um so one of my relationships that I had um I think when we're faltering. I kind of saw the signs coming, right? But I remember, I remember one time when I was in the house. Okay, yeah. So you know, I told you, I, I think on Parker, I, I told you that that I was going for a party with the babe, and at yeah, the party you? after we broke up by the party, yeah. yeah, yeah. So before the actual party, <laughs> before the party, um, in the house before we left. I can't remember what happened, right? But I think there was like this comment that she made. No, 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 or something like that. I don't, I don't know. But I was in I was in a living room downstairs, and and then, and then her phone beeped, right? And then I opened her phone, right? And that's the first time I ever did that. And that's because I was already feeling so uh, insecure, weird. Okay. So, so you can use that word insecure. <laughs> yeah. Fine, fine. Um, but I think I think I think I also wanted I think I also wanted like something to confirm yeah. this change of of ambience. Mm. Mm. And again, there was nothing particularly that I saw or heard or to suggest anything was going on in the background with this babe, right? Nothing. Just but you could just intuition. tell tell when like intuition. But you could just tell also tell when like we're just no more like chummy, like happy jobby. Mm. You get it's just something off. And then and then I opened her phone and then I read the message, and then I, and then I closed immediately. But I read the message. It was quick. To, it was quick. To, it was quick to show me something that she had lied about, mm. right? And obviously, then after that, I now drove. <laughs> we now drove an hour together in the car and everything. I didn't say anything anyway. And and, and the night the night ended. I ended. I said, I said that a million times on the podcast. But my point is like after the relationship ended, I kept thinking to myself that. It's possible that there were there were more lies than there were there were more things that happened, right? I mean, mm. I, possibly, I probably lied to us about some things, 
nothing too deep. Maybe just like, oh, I am, I'm going to bed. I'm probably I just stayed up, stayed up, stayed up for a few minutes. That 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 kind of easy like, you know. Um, but this one felt like there was there was much more behind the scenes. Yeah. Right. And that explained why you know even when we broke up finally, I didn't want to fight it because I just felt I'm just gonna avoid this and move on my life. But I think the reason why, because she then came back to the UK and we came to the UK together um, years later. But the reason why we also then fell apart in that UK interaction, I think because I was possibly still harboring some feelings that, that I, I had not yet like processed, figured out, you know, yeah. even, though, if, even, though, even though after that point, I'd, I'd seen somebody else already. Like this was years later. But when we then go close again, you know, years later, I still like kind of just like said, nah, I'm not doing this anymore in that sense. Because mm-hmm. I just felt there was, that was still in my, my mind, right? But for me, I think the reason why, bringing this back to forgiveness, there was no particular offense in that, right? But maybe that's because I, I didn't want to find out that it was, that, that, that it was an offense. <laughs> Right, because I wasn't sure of my ability to forgive. Right, and I felt like if I found out something by tackling it, because we're already broken up, mm. I, I might harbor this this feeling of like this strong resentment mm. that I will not be able to let go of. Particularly because this is somebody that I don't see every day. Right, but is I mean. There's, we have mutual friends. Mm. There is, there is a possibility of interaction again at a certain point in the future over someone's wedding or whatever. But I feel like I'm, I'm not very sure about my ability to maintain resentment or to rather to keep a leg of resentment. So I think I avoided finding out a possible heartbreaking um, information. Yeah. Right. And the reason why I bring that up is because. I have another friendship as well that also fell apart because the guy did something really, really stupid, right? And it just kind of like, it just kind of, like, you know, someone does something to you and you're like, like, I can't believe we're friends and you can do this kind of thing. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was just so childish. Mm-hmm. But I didn't also like, I just said it's cool, whatever. But, but I also did not like want to find out more much, or why. Because, yeah, yeah. because I feel like, I don't want to get to make it any worse. Like you're, I already me, hate you. Don't let me hate you times two. It gives yeah. me like an indication to your to your attachment style, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? I'm 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 actually quite secure. Really? Yeah. It sounds like you're. It sounds like it's more like a what? what anxious is it avoidance. Avoid, yeah, anxious, anxious avoidance. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I mean, it's possible at that point in my life it was. Yeah. Um. But for my last checkup on the on the on the internet online, <laughs> see, I think what what it is attachment styles only come through certain situations, so it doesn't really. It's oh, not no, like, like you're constantly we've, in that sense, in that state of avoidance. Mm, it's when certain it. situations arise, such as you maybe finding a text or you maybe finding a little information. That's mm, when yeah. your attachment style comes into place. Like in mm. that case, I would have had anxious attachment, where I would have been in a state of, oh my God, I need to find out. I need to find out. I need to be okay. I need to be secure. I need to be secure. You know? Mm. Whereas mm. 
yours is slightly different. But it just gives me an indication. <laughs> mm. Mm. But I I think I think also I am quite disagreeable as a personality trait. And that could be a reason why I'm less likely to forgive. Mm. And mm. and and I've always known that as as a person. Because that's even interesting because even like the research says that people who are more agreeable are more likely to incorporate empathy care into their lives and less like are more likely to then appear to be um, inclined to forgive. Are you? Is that something that you think that you need to work on to to be have have the capacity to be able to forgive? I mean, I'm fine with being disagreeable as a human being. Um, <laughs> Not being disagreeable—that's different. Being disagreeable okay. is different from forgiveness you can't it's not the same thing is it yeah but that's the thing though i, I keep saying like i don't know my extent of which i, I can forgive because the mo- the, the areas in w- my life where i could have found out things that potentially you cut a shot you know, yeah heartbreaking to me i've tried not to find them out hmm. I, f- I find that really really interesting um just because because i've been reading up a lot because I, I don't know how religious you are wally <laughs> In, in a sense quite, but quite a bit but I, I find that in a lot of religion religion in, in Islam and Christianity and Hinduism Buddhism they all talk about the concept of forgiveness yeah mm. in Buddhism particularly I think the f- there are three or four basic principles and the first first base is the first rule actually is that everyone will suffer and everyone does suffer. And suffering is inherent in our beings as people, whether it's somebody wronging you through and then you suffering as a result of that, or whether you're wronging your, some, somebody else or and wronging yourself, is, yeah. or at some point it all results in, in, in the suffering. Mm. Um, you know, so I, I find it really interesting because I think there was a quote that uh, I, I can't remember the exact quote off the top of my head. Um, but it was it was around how growing. Um, how, what is it about? Uh, one sec, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, it was to attain spirituality, or, or to attain some level of spirituality, you have to be living within suffering. And then um, there was another. There was a follow up on that where. But to actually be in a space of spirituality, you have to also let go of suffering. So at first you have to be within suffering and then you have to let go of suffering. And I think it's interesting because how do people, and I'm not saying people are to be offensive or anything, how do humans, mm-hmm. how do they evolve? Is people offensive? I don't know if people be. is offensive. It could be sometimes. <laughs> how? Because I'm trying, I'm trying to refer to Wally in this case, I guess. No, no. It's fine. How, how yeah. does someone, like, someone, how does someone who, who, for example, yourself, Wally, who avoids suffering altogether, yeah, how do you find the space to, to grow in that area of, of, mm. of, of forgiveness then? Like how do that, you, you that's know? a very very good question mm-hmm. and my response to that if you're asking i, I don't know what i ask i don't know what i want a response but i'll give it anyway mm-hmm. um is that again that part of my life was like a different a different part of my life that so volley of of 21 20 2022 20, 20, 22 yeah 23 was different from what it today massively different massively different so i don't know that's my answer i don't know 
I definitely know that compared to where I was before, I am, I am less, um, I'm somebody who, who possesses anger less, right? I'm not as angry as I used to be. Um, I am not as, as possessive as I used to be, hmm. right? I am not as, um, what's the word? I'm not as, I'm not as scared as I used to be. I, so, so before like, scared in the sense of like, sometimes I pick the safe option, right? Mm. This is about everything. Um, mm. But also, I'm not as a, I'm not as, as, as I'm not as much as a walkover as I used to be. Like, I was never a walkover per se, but there's things that people say to me that I'll, yeah. I'll let. But that, that, that's not me anymore. And yeah. this is obviously a result of um, just growth age, but also like the things we expose ourselves to. Having, having mm. conversations like this every day for like the last two years, you know, <laughs> it definitely changes, 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 changes things in your, in your psyche. Yeah. So if I'm going to be hurt now by somebody, I'm quite certain that it cannot be, my reaction cannot be in a vengeful way as it would have been years ago. Yeah. Mm. Right, because well, 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 it depends on the kind of um, <laughs> you know, wait, yeah, yeah, wait, on the kind of hurts. Let me sort of like chip in here. So, um, uh, Mishi mentioned this thing about spirituality, and I think it's it's an interesting point because I think be, uh, forgiveness is one of those core human tenets that because it's so core to the human being itself, it reflects in a lot of sorts of things. And I think religion is one of those places where you find this theme of forgiveness quite a bit. And in the Bible, you know, the common thing you hear sometimes is, you know, um, so I think one of the disciples is asking Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who wrongs me? And, you know, Jesus said 70 times, seven times in one day, pretty much. And, you know, the narrative that people have drawn out of that is like, offense will always come, um, and but you're always supposed to forgive, right? So that's kind of like the position you're supposed to have, and all those things. So, Absolutely. And, yeah, and and even the entire idea of the Bible is centered around, you know, this this for yeah around forgiveness, pretty much. And I it's, mean, Jesus Christ said on the cross, um, to God, forgive, forgive them, them for the for they know, know what they do. Exactly. In our very in our very prayer itself, it says, "Forgive us as we forgive those we forgive who forgive against who was, us." Exactly. So it's, it's, it's built into our core of existence. And I think it's, so the point I'm trying to make and why I referenced that and Mish, thanks for even doubling down on that is the idea that I think as, as a human race and as a entity or species or whatever, there's, we're flawed, right? And because of those flaws, it leads to this situations where forgiveness has to be a thing, right? Um, to, to varying degrees, right? So you might be on the receiving end of someone coming in and murdering your family and things like that. Like, and someone, it might just be someone abused you or someone took an opportunity away from you. There, there are different levels and different degrees and we would all have to go through that. And, you know, I think sometimes you don't know how you would react until you're in it. And the way I say, yeah. I, and why I say that is because, so as much as possible, we can try and think of scenarios like, oh, what if someone did this to you? Would you forgive the person? And to be honest, we don't know until we're in it, right? I, I'm looking back and I, the the wildest it's interesting that sometimes the wildest examples of how we have to deal with forgiveness sometimes always has to do with like relationships and usually re- romantic relationships then next after that is like family you know relationships and and things like that honestly sorry so, so yeah. cut your but that that thing said is so true because sometimes it's just something as simple as somebody 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 i i probably speak to the day before mm. sees me on the road the next day doesn't say hi to me mm. 
I'm like, ah, mm. okay, well, that's a, me, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so we put take that on different levels. And again, there could be reasons why such a small trigger, you know, does that kind of response. But you know, so, so so I think the thing I'm trying to say is that so I've thought about being in a relationship where someone is unfaithful and things like that, and. I wasn't exactly sure. I guess I would have theories as to how I would respond. But honestly, my response in the middle of it kind of surprised me, right? Which is why I'm saying, like, sometimes you won't know until you're in the middle of it. And I think what's, what's important is not so much what your immediate reaction is, but it's like, you know, how do you move on from that point? Because you do have to, in some way, shape, or form, if you're still going to live in this world, move on in a sense, right? Um, so what I guess things the can idea you of, forgive yeah. and what things can you not forgive? Based on my current mindset, yeah, I hope so, <laughs> bro. Like my default answer would be to say, honestly, I don't okay, know. Okay, what, what, what? My you, desire, you, 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 you I want, yeah, you. yeah. Honestly, because of the journey I've been on on my faith, the answer to that is, um, I hope that I've grown to the point where there's nothing that I cannot forgive. Now, not that immediately really? happens to wait, wait. Let me caveat that. Not that, not that immediately. <laughs> Not that immediately it happens to me that I won't feel pain or I won't feel anything, but I hope that I understand and I've grown up to the point where I'm able to let that go for my own self. Maybe even not for the person, but even for my own self and understanding that I'm also worthy to receive forgiveness and I would want someone to forgive me as well if I happen to do stuff like that to them. So, like, again, anger will be there and a lot of other negative feelings will be there. But I want to believe that I would be able to forgive. But again, that could also be because I haven't been through a lot. Like I said, I can only project what I want to do. Maybe you can put scenarios here, but I think like the worst ones you can no, the worst ones you can think of, like, you know, honestly, I would like, I don't know. The way I'm thinking about it now, and I don't know how to put it into words, but I think forgiveness would be something that I'll still lean on at the end of the day. Just looking at a couple of other triggers that I've seen lately. But yeah, um, I don't know. That's sure you. Wild what response. is what do you think you will not you will struggle to forgive it's a very difficult question Wally, <laughs> because um honestly you can't pre- you can't predict how you will sort of react to certain situations arising um mm. but you can control the second minute after it maybe you know but the initial minute in your mind it's a bit hard to control yeah. i when 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 toby was thought, talking i was thinking back to my grandfather actually and every time my mother would tell my grandfather my dad my mom's dad I can't stay with him he's doing this he's doing that like he she would convey all the terrible things that were happening and my grandfather would simply say please forgive him please forgive him take him back forgive him he doesn't know forgive him forgive him constantly and constantly at some point I hated the word forgive him I I hated the word forgiveness (laughs) <laughs> sorry, sorry to butt in again, but as you're saying this story, right, just if, you, if you're not going to already, please also point out where you think forgiveness is misplaced as yes. well. Mm. As well, because I think maybe this idea of people also use this forgiveness thing as, as, as a way to just maybe guilt trip you into doing things that you should not be doing. Yes, and that, and that really goes back to this whole self-reflection and really knowing yourself and it's it's very very um i'll come back on to that okay wally in a mm. second the the yeah, whole sure. concept of, of of um being misplaced um i wanted to touch on what toby was talking about religion because i really wanted mm. to because it's really really important 
on how one religion and how the media affects how we are conditioned to forgive by society mm. and also that that then interlinks with our family upbringing but religion we talked about christianity but i'm just being mindful that there are other religions in the world as well mm. and um you know for example in hinduism there's a lot of talk about karma and dharma and about karmic retribution and that's really important because being able to forgive someone means that that karma will be on them itself so even if you do if you are able to forgive someone that karma doesn't come back to you because you're holding on to that that animosity of of not mm. being able to forgive them so there's a whole karmic attribution within within hinduism in buddhism we talked about suffering and we talked about letting go of that suffering in mm. islam there is the whole um a forgiveness being a test from god that mm. you know if uh and 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 imran gave me this example earlier because i was discussing with them but he was giving me the example of how there was a muslim man his son got killed by somebody and he went up on in the court and told him quite out loud saying that i forgive you and there's a lot of cases like that wali also mentioned another case before and and for him for for imran it's it's a test that this is this is my test from god that am i able to am i able to let go of this person's wrongdoing against me so there's a lot of thing about religion sort of feeding into the the narrative of forgiveness uh-huh. but but they have they have a point basically because there's no not all these religions are talking it talking about it just for the sake of talking about it there must be a genuine reason as to why they're mentioning forgiveness so much is mm. because it's very important it's an important mm. aspect of our beings because by not forgiving what we're doing is we're holding on to these thoughts yeah and i the best way i can describe it is um it's like you know when you're younger and um imagine your brain yeah imagine your brain as a skiing uh, a, a snow top a mountain mm. of snow okay and what happens is when you're younger uh what your brain does is it skis all right so you're skiing down these mountains of snow and as you're skiing as you're skiing you can see the ski marks appearing yeah on this mountain mm. and every thought that you have is like the same thought is basically skiing and skiing and skiing and skiing and skiing and what happens eventually over time over the last 26 years of my life is mm. that those create big deep marks within those mountains that you're mm. you're always going to ski on and what mm. happens there is it it's very difficult to change your direction to the left or the right or or, or to try a different path because mm. you're so busy skiing on the same path in the same thought in mm. the same depth of snow mm. that mm. it gets very difficult and what forgiveness is is creating those new paths creating mm. uh some openness within yourself to realize that you know actually speaking i i can i can think slightly different i don't have to let my experiences and my perceptions shape what i'm what i'm going to be doing about this situation and mm. it all comes back down to this sense of ego which is who you think you are pride mm. Mm. not pride pride is different <laughs> pride, pride is not necessarily ego in psychology i don't think i think ego mm. is is a self, sense of self sense identity of this is and, yeah and your ego could be anything so it could be for example i'll, I'll give you an example actually mm. a very real life example that happened a few days ago <laughs> Imran had to go and he went to the office that evening 
I was going to go with him to Asda. And I've been really looking forward to going with him to Asda because recently, because of my, yeah. ang- because of my anger problems, we haven't been going out much. And oh. now that I've... Now that I'm healing myself, I'm starting to be feel more like in control of myself. And so I'm wanting to go out more. So oh, I just thought Azza had some promotion that was no, going on. No. Like, why? <laughs> let, me, let me just catch that real quick. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been stuck with the space where I've heard a person really badly. And because I've heard them, they're also being guarded. He's also scared. So he's trying mm-hmm. to guard himself because he doesn't mm-hmm. want to get hurt. He's watching what he says. He doesn't want to go out with me and fight in public. So I am trying to be more conscious of the fact that he also went through something. And I cannot base my reactions on, on the fact that he doesn't want to do something with me. So mm-hmm. when he that day wanted to go to Asda with me, I was really excited. I was like, yes, we're going out after months. I, I get to go out with my boyfriend, you mm-hmm. know, and, and uh, you know, not just to pick up, just actually go in and, <laughs> and, and, and go in yeah. shopping. But that afternoon, he messages me and says, oh, actually, you know what? I forgot. I completely forgot. I'd signed up to this bowling thing with my colleagues and I was going to go tonight. Mm. And immediately, I just found the self of self-worthlessness. Mm. Like, I'm not worth it. I'm not mm. worth going to Asda with. I'm not worth doing anything with. Mm. No one loves me. I'm hated I mean, by my own boyfriend. It's I know extreme. I shouldn't be smiling. I'm sorry I'm smiling, but the, as that context, <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's it's, different. It's, it's, it's a small vibe. thing. It, it, yeah. it, is, it is a small thing. Like, you know, no, it's not. It's, it's, not it's, it's not a small thing. It's a, it's a, because it's, it's not about Asda in this case. It's about, it's, uh, something it's about more you in, in relation yeah. to something bigger. Yeah. In that moment, I felt abandoned, you know? Mm. And in that moment, I felt like I've made so much progress. You know, I'm, mm. why is he not, why is he not seeing me? Mm. And that is that, that, what I just, Some the whole thing that I said is my ego. It's my ego talking. My ego wants to be loved. My ego wants to feel like, she, you know, she's belonging somewhere and that she wants to be taken out and, 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 you know, loved and cared for and pampered or whatever it is. It's my mm. ego. Mm. And so mm. when I separate myself from my ego, I realize that, Two weeks ago, Imran actually told me he was going to do this. And I'd agreed to it. And, and, and actually speaking, him going out with his colleague doesn't take away the love he has from me. Yeah. You know, I have to, it's separating that. And, yeah. and that, comes, that comes back to your ego. And it goes back to something called, and I learned this from a lady called um, Byron Katie. She's a very, very, very lovely woman. And she, she wrote a book called Loving What Is. Mm. And it's really, really helped me with this forgiveness because what that book does uh, is it comes up with a method on how to, very simple method, not meditation, nothing like that. It's a very, you can get a piece of paper and a pen and do it. And you're sitting with yourself and you're asking yourself some key Mm. questions, you know? So for example, my ego says, Imran, my, my partner, should take me out. He should take me out and he should love me and he should care for me and he should feed me and he should, you know, hug me. And I'm thinking this in my head. Mm. And, you know, and all of this obviously stems from some very deep rooted issues, clearly on my parents. <laughs> but, but, but in that moment, in that moment I, I was feeling unloved. I was like, he should do this. And then the first question I started asking myself was, is that true? So you think to yourself, is that true? Should he love me? Yes, he should. I think it's true. He should love me. 
And then I asked myself the second question, can you really 100% be certain that has to be true that he must and should love you? And I think to myself, well, really, no, he doesn't really. There's no rule in the world that says Imran should come and love me. There's no handwritten. There's no God is not looking over and said, this man must love this woman. There's nobody who says that. You know, so no, actually, it's not true. As much as I hate to admit that he doesn't have to do it, he doesn't have to do it. And then you sit with yourself and you ask yourself, well, how does having this thought about him loving me, how does that make me feel? And what you're really telling yourself in that moment is you're saying that I want this man to love me and this man is not loving me but I want him to love me. And I'm having these thoughts of him not loving me, but I want him to love me. So how does that make me feel? It makes me feel anxious. It makes me feel scared. It makes me feel alone. It makes me feel abandoned. It makes me feel worthless because I feel I'm not worth loving. Mm. So you really, really think about that and you sit with yourself in that feeling. And then you move on to the next question, which is the final, one of the final questions is that, who would I be without this thought? So you're asking yourself, what kind of a person would I be? Or who, would, how would I look at myself if I didn't have this thought, if this thought just disappeared, it didn't exist. So if I just remove the thought that everyone should love me from my head, how do I feel? And I feel less worried and less anxious because I haven't put this mustation on myself that mm. he do this. I've freed myself from the should of it. Mm. And so a lot of the times we as people live our lives in shoulds that I must do this. I should be good at my job. I should look after myself. I should take care of myself. I should forgive someone. Do you, mm. do you really have to forgive the person? There's no rule in the world that says you need to forgive the person. You know, but honestly, if you ask yourself the fourth question in, in terms of, who would you be without that thought that you had that pressure of forgiving that person? You'd feel a lot of, a lot of space for you to then maybe eventually forgive that person if you mm. stop putting the pressure of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You know, so it's just, it's just interesting yeah. to think about, you know? Yeah. You know, you know, what was quite interesting is that, and this is related in some kind of ways, but it's this idea of, well, um, Pisam said it again on that episode about if God is dead. And I think it's this idea of, as much as I think we, we live in a time and season and generation and space where there's a lot of focus on self, right? And, you know, positioning self as the most important thing in any way, shape or form. And, you know, I, I think we're beginning to see, because, you know, we don't see all these things until, like, I can imagine in 60 or 70 years, if the world realizes this idea of self is not the main thing, you start seeing papers coming about looking at our generation as to how that idea of self was an issue. Like, obviously, we're, we're in the middle of it, so it's hard to really see how it's a problem. But, yeah, but, but you're everything... You're placing, yeah. placing self as... Self is essentially the ego. So you're saying the ego in this generation is the most important mm. thing. thing. And exactly. that is terrible. 
It is. It absolutely is. And you realize that it, you can draw a lot of core problems. Like they found it, they find their foundation, you know, in this sense of, you know, thinking of yourself as more important than you should have, like you should be making everything seem about you. So even events that happen that just seem to involve and have an effect on you, you center yourself as I was the reason for this. And I was, I was the reason why this was done. And this was targeted at me. And sometimes that will be true, but it's like asking the questions that you said, if you, should I be feeling this way? Should I really feel that that was targeted at me? What would happen if I didn't feel that that was targeted at me? Again, and it could have been targeted at you. That's the reality of the thing, right? But it's just, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, it's pretty interesting, but, um, well, I don't know. <laughs> Let me just Do you know what that's quiet. called, Toby? What, Do you know what, what that's it? called? It's what? called being present. Hmm. It's called hmm. being present and it's called staying in the now. So hmm. you're... Focus is not on the mistakes that have happened and it's not on what might happen, but it's on your current state of mind. It's on how you're feeling in the moment. I can't tell, baby. Yes. <laughs> Actually, there's a lot of people who, a lot of, a lot of wonderful speakers out there who I've discovered from Eckhart Tolle, who Wally introduced me to, to uh, a person called Ram Das, to another person called Timothy Leary. To so, so another person called Michelle, wonderful. you know. There's, there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> yes, um, yes. All right, yes, let's go back. Yes, yes. Let's let's go on a break for one last time and come back. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. Cool. See you guys in a bit. So, um, but let's talk about forgiveness in the era of council culture. Where does that, where does that lie? Um, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to define when you don't really believe in council culture. So. Now, well, the, the element here is that these are often, this will often be cases of people that we probably have no relationship with anyway in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Um, so speaking as a society, as an entity, do we think forgiveness is lost in the era of cancer culture society or do we think it is not lost? I don't think forgiveness is a thing in outside, like, it's not, you'd only always find it in areas of, like, every, what's common in, in the public circles is justice, but only a certain version of justice. And people don't understand that um, f- justice is not lost in forgiveness, right? So there's this idea that if you're forgiving someone, then justice is not served. That's usually, that's what I feel the narrative is. And so that's why when you're you're thinking about society and larger society or the the states as it exists, forgiveness is, I I don't know, it's, it's, it's almost a foreign concept. Maybe the idea of pardoning someone or being lenient with someone, you know, acts as a sort of full kind of forgiveness so maybe someone deserves a hundred degrees of something but you only give 50 so you're like oh yes you know i've sort of like forgiven them for that half of it so i don't know that that's kind of like my view of it i don't think about society at large i think that forgiveness plays a factor or is encouraged i think that only happens in more like socially tied circles like church um you know places of worship and other kinds of religions in that sense yeah 
Yeah. Actually, that's a good, sorry, Mishko. No, no, Mishko. Sorry, Molly, I interrupted you. No, I, I was just going to say, no, no, I interrupted you to be fair, but I was just going to say, I think the question actually is a flawed question because forgiveness is, occurs at the individual, individual level. Individual level, not as a... And you, you can't aggregate it. And actually, maybe that's actually an interesting point, actually, hmm. because if you can't aggregate forgiveness to a macro sovereign level, that, that means that on issues or in living in an era where um, transgressions are much more visible or are much more amplified or are much more um, dog, dog, dog out of history, hmm. the things that we need to move on from transgressions and in, the, in the individual level are not practiced, can be, can be practiced at a macro level. So it means that we want much more justice, right? Because in a, in a courtroom of one person's case, you have the jury. So you have 12 people looking at, looking at somebody and figuring out what to do. In the American right? court of law or anyone who practices yeah. the jury system. Yeah. And anywhere else is one person, right? But the point there is still yeah. one, to, one to one in some, in some case. And even though there's justice there, right, there's still an element of... Maybe um, lawyers will argue for the moral claims to forgiveness in some areas where, where there's blind spots. But on society level, for council culture, forgiveness is a construct that can only happen at the individual level. It makes sense that people are not forgiven. Um. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> Speak to us, oh. Speak to us. To some extent, yes, <laughs> Wally. Mm -hmm. I think um, so. With regards to cancel culture, this, this, I think cancel culture has come about because of predominantly social media and and movies and and the whole Hollywood and and media outlets that have happened. I think that's where can, cancel culture has been sort of generated from because it's so easy to do it from any place. Really, it's easy to just cancel something nowadays. And I think that. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Wally, am I understanding that from your perspective, forgiveness can only happen at an individual level, but not at a societal level, because um, is that what you're saying? Yeah, Sorry. so I first asked the yeah. question of whether people, whether, whether, what's the role of cancer culture, forgiveness in cancer culture? Yeah. And I realized from Toby's answer that actually that question might be flawed because forgiveness is an individual level analysis okay. construct. Okay. And if and if that's the case, yeah. How can you how can a society forgive? Okay. So I think, yeah, that um in the last hundred years, if we look at society, at first we noticed that a lot of it, uh culture played a big role in, in forgiveness because where you're from and what faith you practice and how your surroundings was and your parents and your siblings and your immediate family they played a big role in forgiveness because how you receive certain situations is what you've learned from from that culture so i think i, I believe that in the sense that when social media didn't exist and when there was no movies and all that stuff it was very at a, at a very interpersonal level you know in person i think that over time and and this might be this might be something over time because we have so many movies coming out and so many narratives, let's say, coming out that, oh, there must be justice. 
for example, if you look at superhero movies where the villain comes up and, and the villain has to get punished in some way, if we look at any any movie that comes out, there's always a and there's always a protagonist and an antagonist, and you always see the the plot of um, you know the pro- protagonist giving delivering the justice to the antagonist, yeah, and. In, in, in all of this, we'll notice that that really reflects to how our society is today and actually, in fact, to cancel culture, because we feel cancelling is a form of justice in a way as well, because if someone is wrong us or, or said something that we don't like or agree, what do we do? We cancel them. So if somebody said something offensive as a comedian, what do we do? We cancel them. If someone has said an opinion which we don't like, for example, J.K. Rowling on her opinion on transgender people that some people don't like, they want to cancel her. And, and, and it happened. I mean, J.K. Rowling is a bad example. She's super big and famous, Harry Potter and all that. But there, there have been instances when 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 people have been cancelled and, and things have been cancelled, situations or movies or whatever it is. It's easy to do it nowadays because we have the ability to do that. But also we have been given the permission to do that in a sense because it feels like that is part of our justice, you know, in a sense. Mm. So I think that media and movies have played such a massive role where we are visibly seeing people on the screen not being able to forgive. Where have you ever seen the the hero forgiving the villain for going and blowing up a town, for example? I don't know. Where have you ever seen forgiveness being demonstrated in movies? Simba Simba tried to help Scar um, when when he fell from the, when he was about to fall from the- uh, Exactly. Into the fire. He tried to help him, but then Scar tried to push him, kill him or something like that. And then Scar killed himself, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and forgiveness is rarely seen in movies and in any, forget in movies, just any form of information and visibility of, of media, of news, of everything. Even in I the think, news, where do we see forgiveness? We see people yeah. going to jail, getting punished, you know? So, 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 so that's that, I think the point you're making. Well, it's, 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 it's no more, be, okay, Toby, go on, sorry. Yeah, no, no, so, so I was going to say that, um, you know, it's more like forgiveness is never the core of the story because some acts and some the forgiveness might come about or you know as a result of for example um spider-man choosing not to kill right like you know yes you will serve justice and make sure this person gets to jail but i don't want you to die as they like you've killed someone but i don't i would i don't want to kill you back in that sense so i guess forgiveness and that sense is always like a byproduct but it's never like the core focus of of it because the focus is always delivering the justice justice, in some way shape or form yeah and and because it's always delivering the justice and remember these are not movies or, or media or things that we're seeing from from our from a young age um for myself or for you guys because when we were growing up these things had just started to globalize in a sense mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. we did have things but it was like i didn't watch as much tv as my brother watches tv and you probably mm-hmm. didn't watch as much tv as children nowadays watch tv and mm-hmm. the amount of information they're absorbing so in their heads they're thinking well justice must be served, served. in some way mm-hmm. which is why you see the whole of the next generation constantly demanding that yeah uh, exactly exactly so you kind of see how it's led into that a little bit you know so i think that's that's my opinion that it's even though it is an individual thing well it definitely definitely is an individual thing but that individual ability to be able to forgive that comes from a lot of external factors and how you relate to those external factors and how you respond to them 
So the way you were raised, what you're seeing on, on media and television and with your friends and with your social circle as a child, how you were treated, how you responded to that treatment, um, how much you healed, because it's very important how much your pain body is. And if somebody is experienced watching very violent movies from a young age and seeing violence in the house, for example, they might have a much difficult time to forgive because they'll feel like they always deserve a sense of retribution. So, so my, my, um, I get what you're saying. And I, on one, on one end, I, I agree, but one end, I'm not too sure. And I'll tell you why, because there's almost a sense of like, I don't want to make it a causality thing. I mean, I know you, I'm not even trying to do that, but I don't want to make it causality thing. But my point there is the movies we see and stuff we see, right? They often refer to legal justice, mm-hmm. mostly, right? But council culture is about moral justice, mm-hmm. not legal justice for the most part. And forgiveness comes in in moral justice, in morality. It's a morality thing. It's if, if, if somebody, obviously, if somebody kills somebody, the legal part take, takes part of that, tend to jail. But the morality comes in in when after a person has gone to jail, you as the as the uh, as the victims mm-hmm. as the victims relative, they have to then choose to forgive them or let go or not, mm-hmm. right? But and if cancel culture is a moral justice at a society level, mm-hmm. right? And from what I'm saying, you cannot have forgiveness in society. I mean, society cannot practice forgiveness because forgiveness is an individual level thing. Then it means that because we equate justice that you have in legal terms, mm-hmm. we, we bring that into moral issues mm-hmm. where, where, where people should not face that kind of justice. Forgiveness cannot happen. Does this make sense? Kind of. I, I think so what you're trying to say let is me, that because... Let me try again quickly. Mm-hmm. So try again. legal justice would, would mean that something happened to you, right? You have to face a consequence, mm-hmm. either of finance your time or jail or life, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Or you die. Moral justice, as we know it, often just involves feelings. Like if, yeah. If, yeah, yeah. If, you betray, if you betray your wife, you know, she leaves you or whatever, nobody's going to send you to jail or anything, but you've just lost a, a soulmate or whatever. You, 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 get, you get guilt, right? But we can't culture, right? It feels like we want to have a legal justice um, feeling or legal justice issue, a legal justice ramification for a moral issue. Yeah, mm. right. I, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. Right for a moral issue, but because morality issues require to to alleviate them require forgiveness, right? And forgiveness can practice at the level of society. Mm. It makes it problematic. Yeah. Yeah. It does make it problematic. I, yeah. I understand. I understand what Wally is saying, and yeah. I think that's why that's where it's arisen, hasn't it? Cancel, cancel culture from the fact that you can't practice forgiveness as a society, but the fact is that you can. You can't even send them to jail for doing what they've done, but on mm. some regard, you can Punish get that them. retribution through yeah. through canceling yeah. them. So yeah. essentially, yeah. it's a form of revenge. And it's not, yeah. it, it is, it is like, so it's easy to practice that form of revenge through cancel culture. 
It's not easy to practice forgiveness as a societal level. It is not. Yeah, be, it, it, because it, it, because revenge is the best thing that equates to illegal justice. It's not impossible, though. It's not impossible to practice forgiveness as a society because at one point in, in the past, when we had clusters of people, for example, living in villages and living in groups, they were able to more practice it. It's because there's such a large number of us in the world it's difficult to get everyone to do it at the same time, in the same yes, way, in the same exactly, space. Exactly, you know? exactly. But it's not impossible. It, yeah. it is driven from like, if we start to, like, for example, with media, if we start to change our perspective on how we write things and present that to the world, that will start to shift people, even slowly, even if just a little bit, shift mm. people's perspectives as well. It's all about moving perspectives, isn't it? Changing mm. how you mm. see things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to, to be fair, and I will, I'll let you drive us home here. I almost think like cancer culture is almost a repercussion of not thinking too deeply about certain things because I think it, the cause of it, I don't think everybody sat down and said, maybe we want to, we, we, we want to make cancer culture a thing. I think it was more, because if you look at the era of cancer culture, it came with a lot of tabloids and, you know, people I feel like he had a, a steeping in a bit of media, sort of like this always on media, always having an opinion about certain things and always wanting to get reactions from people, right? And so I think, I don't know, I could be wrong about this, but it just almost feels as if because the media sort of like was trying to get to a place of driving more attention and having more power, you know, having real world things happen from the things that you write feels like a way to maintain your sort of like standing and whatever. And so people started, yeah, exactly. So people started to write more hardline things, right? So you know, you choose a position because you know it's going to warrant this reaction, and all of a sudden, and then you 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 taste what cancel culture feels like, and you know. (laughs) But again, what you are telling me right now, obviously, the world is canceling Russia in that sense, and you know, in some way, shape, and form, people are seeing that as positive in that sense. Even people that have had hard stances against cancel culture before. Well, again, I, I don't think we want to dive into that, um, but yeah. No, obviously, like, mm, no. Can, can I just say one last thing before we sort mm-hmm. of end it? Sure. I think just thinking about it, the only one of the one of the few ways that I'm thinking of helping out with people and, and helping them to realize that forgiveness is an important part of the society as well, mm. is we, we need to have the ability to start listening to each other and creating a space for each other where we are listened to. And, and genuinely listened. You're not just listened to by media Reply. and by, yeah. by politicians and by governments and by bodies that don't actually represent us, but actually listened to by sharing each other's stories and getting people more involved with each other. That's the only way it will work because without the only way judgment goes away is when you start understanding and empathizing with the other person, when you start realizing that that person is just as human as you are and is just as flawed as you are. And you are both basically the same. And that's the only way we'll realize it. Just like with Russia, we're not realizing that there are people there who support Ukraine. There are people there who are opposing Putin. There are people there who are also suffering. Mm. And just like other countries whose governments overthrow other countries, there are people there who don't want that. Mm. And we're very quick mm. to judge. Mm. Mm. You know, so that is, that is one of the ways just to create that space. Nice. Yeah, and as I always say, I think most, most things have, most things are caused by multi-dimensional constructs mm-hmm. and many of us don't have the algebra or time mm-hmm. to go through all the things yeah in fact if you don't if you don't if you don't if you don't episode on cancer control and i dig <laughs> and we, we deep dive into it 
would would draw would draw a map behind me of all the possible causes, all the real causes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, as we said earlier, this topic is one where it's a starting point for further conversations. Yeah. Um, because it's just so massive. I mean, there's a lot of things we could have got into in terms of forgiveness. It is just so massive, and we can't possibly cover all. But I think what we've done so far today is just to suggest that it is something that has ramifications well-being future current state of mind in opportunities losses trauma a lot of ramifications mm. and you know as a human being you obviously want the best for yourself and if forgiveness is a state that is done and is done for and done to for yourself then it's something that we can't take trivially, I believe. Mm-hmm. And transgressions happen. To live is to live is the opportunity <laughs> yeah. to be hurt, yeah. Yeah. you know. And sometimes you have to realize and paste that fact yeah. in your wallpaper in your mind. And there's some transgressions that are worse than others, definitely. Some will take a while to get over, definitely. But forgiveness should always be a pursuit mm-hmm. alongside our our pursuit of meaning. Because if not, we lose ourselves to these to these facts of life yeah, yeah. amen amen Mish <laughs> a pleasure as always hey there everybody thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Yellow Pill Podcast if you liked our show please support us by giving us a 5 star rating and review and also be sure to share with your friends siblings colleagues and anyone you think might enjoy the episode another way to support us is by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now we release new episodes every monday but don't forget to follow us at the yellow pill pod on instagram to stay in touch with us during the week that's at the yellow pill pod on instagram once again thank you for taking the yellow pill with us today i'm your co-host wally and right next to me is toby and we wish you the very best in the coming week till next time peace and love people peace and love